1: They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today.
0: Welcome back for another OG Show Live. Mr. Randall, how you doing? What's up,
2: everybody? Welcome back to The Real Down
3: Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for News. Oh. Hi, boys and girls,
0: welcome to once again Bass Cag uh, Brother! This is the final cast. Another segment of uh, Chasing the Tide, your saltwater connection on the palatine. Welcome back, everyone. Another episode of Feather and Fur, your host. Yeah, welcome back to the Mindset Podcast. I'm your host, Christopher. Hey, welcome back to Off the Water. Susie
4: Q here with Ventures of Outdoor Woman Podcast. Hey,
3: guys. Welcome to the Rusty Hook Kayak Fishing Podcast.
0: We're brought to you by... Pelican Built Tough. For all situations, go to pelican.com. Eastport Marina, on the beautiful shores of Dale Hollow Lake. For all your lodging, kayaking, go to eastport.info. Yak gadget For all your fine kayak fishing accessory needs, go to yakgadget.com.
3: Welcome back to another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs here on the Paddle and Pin Podcast. I am your co-host Sean.
4: And I'm Suzy Q.
3: Welcome back Suzy.
4: Welcome Sean. How's your week and weekend been so far?
3: Not too bad. I I got to fish the uh, native big bass event yesterday. So I wish I would have done better but it was still fun. Um, (laughs) Anytime I can spend a day on the river is definitely a good time. Uh, If I had to do it ever again I probably would have went to a place i knew a little better i tried a new spot and yeah it uh it didn't uh work out great for me but but you know like i said it was still fun and i learned a a different section of the river that i'd never fished before so awesome uh, yeah how about you did you uh uh, i see you're uh making progress with the she shed and uh
4: Uh, yeah so um this past uh past couple of days i've been uh, doing more outside stuff uh we have a fire pit now, so uh, we uh, nice. you know use that for the first time last night. It was a perfect night for it and everything, so it was awesome. We had a couple friends over last night, had some uh, smoked burgers on the the smoker and whatnot, so nice. it's been great. And then today, I've started painting the floor a little bit, so it's it's coming along. It's coming along.
3: Is it fumey in there? Like, if you start to. Not really. I only did, like,
4: I did just like a little bit of a section just to kind of see what it would look like and just to make sure, you know, that I was like, all right, am I going to like this? But I also ran into a problem when I opened up one of the paint cans and stirred it up. Like, the bottom of it was just like this weird sludge. I'm like, this isn't normal. So I went to Ace, which is like literally in our backyard, and I had them shake both cans up Uh, because there's only one of them that was weird. Hmm. And it was still weird. So I'm just going to take it back and, you know, get a new can or whatnot. But, uh, but yeah, once I get the floor painted and then get the top coat on that, I'll uh, start moving the rest of things in and put things in their proper place.
3: Cool, cool. Um, I did see uh, just right before I went on the air, I saw you uh, had a post about the noobs uh, tournament. So yeah. sure did
4: yep we've uh our september winner here was uh tom Arnts. uh so and i know he was thinking that he was the winner as well so we finally got all cut up with ju- judging for that and uh yeah we're gonna have the new championship over the course of uh five different days but uh, the trick to this one is is you can only choose one of those days to fish so it'll be uh, really fun to see. So uh, that'll start uh, the 19th of October and go through the 23rd. And then we'll crown our 2022 Noobs Champion.
3: Nice, nice. So congrats to everyone who made it into that. And uh, remember the, the the guy who wins that, or uh, I'm not sure. Is there or a lady. Board? Yep, I there was is say, a lady. I thought so. I thought so. So whoever wins that will get uh, an invite to uh, hang with us next year at Dale Hollow. So. Mm-hmm. So definitely, uh, looking forward to seeing who uh, comes out on top there, and uh, good luck to everyone who will be fishing that. So, yeah, buddy. <laughs> uh, well, um, tonight uh, I wanted to take a chance, uh, take a moment out to um, I'll explain how I uh, uh, came in contact with this uh, angler. Um, I was actually looking through, um, looking at my the sad shape of my uh, kayak fantasy team <laughs> on the uh, paddle and fin. Uh, I did not have a great year. I did much better last year when you couldn't change your anglers, where you basically had the same five all year. Uh, having to change it up, I definitely uh, definitely did not handle that as well. So, <laughs> But I was looking at the top ten, and I actually just started going down through the list and um, reaching out to them uh, to see uh, if anybody wanted to come on and talk any technique-specific stuff. And um, lo and behold, uh, Ryan – Malevich uh reached out and said yeah I'll come on and talk to you so without further ado I'd like to welcome uh Ryan to the new show welcome Ryan
2: what's up guys thanks <laughs> for having me
3: not bad I thanks no problem I'm glad uh thanks for accepting the invitation and um for the, any of the folks who don't know um don't know you or uh, might not be familiar with you um Ryan was on the show a couple years ago on um on uh the real down uh talking about probably a tournament win I'm guessing um that's what they're, the tournament shows are uh, generally about. So uh, but this is the first time on the Noob show. Um, so why don't you give the folks uh, who don't know you just a quick introduction. You know who you are, where you're from, how you got into uh, fishing and kayak angling.
2: Sure. Yeah. My name is Ryan Matalevich, um, as you just mentioned, and I'm from northeastern Pennsylvania. I'm located up on like the Susquehanna on the North Branch up in the Tonkanic area. Um, I got into kayak fishing about four years ago now, I'm assuming it is. Um, and I always grew up fishing and stuff, local farm ponds, but I never took it really serious or anything. And um, my dad kind of got a niche for him, was having fun doing the the kayak thing. And um so I kind of pursued it a little bit. We just dabbled and thought, oh yeah, we got these kayaks now we got these cool kayaks well, when we take a run. so first place we ever actually went was Kentucky Lake that was like our very oh. first tournament for like the and that was a long haul right but and we did absolutely terrible <laughs> we, did. <laughs> <laughs> we did I think we caught maybe one or two fish a day it was not a great great deal and I was still kind of doing like what I was used to and I never really fished a big body of water like that um and then we, we could we didn't do great, but we had a good time. And, um then we ended up going up and fishing it was i can't remember the name of it the queen city it was the that one hobby. it wasn't a hobie event it was um an event up in on lake saint Clair. um like the uh, like a-
4: <laughs> yes what is that called um i know yeah. what you're talking about um uh, yeah.
2: um border city classic that's what it was
4: yeah border city yep yep
2: so, and we did good we caught we were hammering large mouth and we got smoked again by by people out throwing small mouth and stuff and uh, we just didn't know the lake and we just found some back end stuff we're like oh wow this is doing well so we were catching good fish and then we kind of ventured down to open water. And I remember my dad pulled up a really good smallmouth. And then I thought I had a world record and it turned out to be a big old drum. <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah, So we had fun. And then we said, oh, we, 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 was just like, kind of like a random thing. And the next day we, year we said, why don't we try to do some of this KBF stuff. So um, I started fishing, kayak bass fishing events. And then we, we did, I, I ended up doing like, okay. I had some real close. I didn't have a top 10 my first year in the KBF. So um, but I had some close calls and then, um, the second year I started really putting stuff together and I started getting, that's when I won on the Lake George event. Um, and, uh, I just started kind of figuring it out from there. I just kind of continued to just work on it and become more and more obsessed. And, um, now, I mean, we fish probably, uh, man, I'd probably say like 10 to 15 major events a year, um, from KBF to Hobie. Uh, haven't done any bass mainly because, um, they're just not in our area. Um, the, the KBF has been most friendly to the Northeast. So that's why we've kind of grown there and I'm just getting a little lazy to pedal on the Hobie. So <laughs> it's, uh, I, I enjoy my, my autopilot. That's for sure.
4: Well, we can definitely tell you've uh, been pretty successful just looking at your back wall there. Um, and if uh, people are just listening into this, uh, he's got like four four five stacks high and then rows of checks from kbf events and then he's got some sweet trophies in the background too so uh he's uh definitely uh made some uh headway and uh placed uh pretty high in some of those kb events so
2: good to you man that's awesome well, appreciate it <laughs> And, uh, yeah, I mean, really, it's like I said, that they, they kind of came later in the game, and it's a lot of it, especially, I know this is a Bass fishing for Noobs channel, but, um, I mean, you're just not, sometimes you can go out there and have a really good tournament and stuff, but you can't get discouraged, you got to keep signed up, keep going out there, and, I mean, um, listening to these podcasts is a great start, just listen to other people, and, um learning as much like i'm like a sponge and like i don't care if you've been fishing like i see a 10 year old kid on the bank i'll learn something from them um it's just i just take as much information as i can to try to to try to like my craft and even
3: more you know i was just talking to somebody about that this weekend that um yeah you, uh, that even if you're talking to someone who uh you know doesn't have any tournament experience or or something like that like you can still learn something like they might have a just a slightly different way of working a technique that really works mm-hmm. for them. And it might be something that you never even thought of. And, you know, you know that I'm I'm the same way. And that's kind of why I started, you know, uh, came on this show is because I, I figured it would be as much a learning experience for me as it is uh, being able to teach other people. Um, but, yeah, I, I totally echo that 100 percent. But um, I wanted to give you a chance. Um, obviously, uh, when I found you on, on the top of our fantasy list, um, I knew that you had had a pretty successful year to this point. But uh, why don't you talk a little bit about how your year has gone, you know, uh, you know the the successes you've had and kind of where you've been and how you've done.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I'm going to look to the left here just to kind of go through. I had a list pulled up of, of events from this year just so I can recall them. Um, my season started off in Kissimmee. Um, I was fishing down the Kissimmee chain and, uh, that was a KBF event where they had the temptational and the 10 and all that stuff. And for anybody that doesn't know about that event, there's a lot of water and a lot of different lakes. And, um, Florida is the kind of place where you're fishing those chains and you get out there and you'll be like skunk and like not catching a fish. And then you'll like be in the same spot and you'll see like a 60 year old lady with a sun hat on the boat, just pulling up 10 pounder after eight pounder on live oh. shopping. And it just doing a, it makes, it's, it's a tough deal you know those fish are, they, they know that a shiner is a shiner and a the is a kaitech I'll tell you that um but uh that's where I started I, I didn't have a great finish um I think I finished like in like like the in 43 43rd or something like that um I figured something out late on and I kind of started putting it together but day one I was not doing so hot and there was a lot of wind and stuff and I started getting on a bite down there that um had me actually Go aha. So again, takeaway from that is that I have a much better idea going down again this year um as to what I'm gonna do. And I'm hoping to finish a lot better than that. Um then we obviously we moved on to Lake Murray. Um I finished seventh in the pro series there, seventh in the betrayal two, and then like twentieth or something on day one um overall. And that was uh my second time to Lake Murray. Again, the first time I didn't do as hot. Um, but then I just took some of the information I gathered and what I was doing and what was working and just kind of put it together. And that's a lot of these lakes, And you see these consistent anglers is just being able to go and, um, actually learn from your experience like a lot it's, it's really easy to go there in the beginning and just get smoked and look at it from a negative perspective perspective to say hey look i can't figure this out this sucks like i don't know what these guys are doing there's some, some weird spots you can get negative about it or you can try to put together like okay i didn't do real good but like what was working what did do well and maybe get to the events and talk to some people and just kind of take a little bit of tips away try the next time see what happens you know and if you do that three or four times you're going to start moving up and doing better it's just it's a guarantee. You know, a lot of these places, they, they are, they fish good or um, I'm sorry, they fish the same way year to year when you're in the same seasons, you know, um, sometimes there's some variation and it changes. I wouldn't say get locked up on a spot or something, um, but you kind of get an idea as to what these fish are eating, what they're biting on, what they're not biting on, things like that. Um, So Lake Mary was pretty good. Potomac was a really good event. I finished in ninth on day one, second in day two, and then second, I think in the pro series um, that was, a really good event for me. This is the second year I've had a good event at the Potomac and, um, I fish a lot different than a lot of other people do. Um, it's typically a a power fishery, like grass fishery, things like that. I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of water and I kind of use some finesse tactics to do well there. Um, and then moving on Mesolonsky, I finished second and first, or second on trail one, fifth on trail two. And I, I think first in the pro series on that one. Um, and that was, um, that was a smallmouth spawn event um up on Messalonski they're all wow. like it was like, crazy everybody was hammering them up and they didn't have other lakes open like normally when they do the main lakes they had like Messalonski and great pond open so it opened up the water so there's like a pretty big field there and like mesolonski is a pretty small lake um so i mean these fish were getting hammered they're on the shoreline they were, <laughs> they, they were literally like littered like around there, it was like full-on spawn and Um, They were getting caught three or four. It was like people were trading like fish on that tournament. I feel like Pokemon cards. I could see English. It was was, was just funny, the comical. And the the truth of the whole thing is out of um, my 10 fish, I think that maybe four, three of them were actually bed fish. Um, I kind of got on something. Everybody else was on the shoreline and I was out in the middle catching fish. They were chasing shad and like catching post-spawn fish our pre-spawn fish were getting ready to move up and um i was catching a lot on the top water um out in the middle of the lake when everybody else was just bed fishing kind of like trying to beat the bank with them you know and when it got and the the thing about bed fishing is if you can't adapt um you get a lot of guys that are doing that they kind of have all these waypoints on these fish and then the the, the the bad thing about that is sometimes like one of the fish won't bite. You. You'll be spending a bunch of time on it. Those fish up there, they they they, they didn't care. You can get <laughs> the road, but, um, that will happen. And then also, what really hurts is you get like overcast and cloud cover and rain and wind. And then all of a sudden, like what you were trying to do becomes really really challenging. You know, so um, it can be cool. I mean, it's once in a while. I don't mind doing it. I'm not a huge fan of uh, being on a like a, a bed fishing type event all the time, just because it's one it's hard on the fish i think and they get really beat up and then two it's just um i don't know it's a little it's i i, I just like traditional fishing a little bit more um then we moved up to champlain i was sixth on day one and fifth on day two and i think second in the trail or the pro series on that one um that was another similar story uh, there's a lot of bed fish going on there at the champlain event um there was some that I was catching pre spawn, post spawn, but the majority of those fish I was catching bed fishing. Um, difference is, it wasn't really sight fishing, bed fishing, because you were there was a lot of fish that were um, not really visible with the water color and a lot of the wind and the conditions we had at that event. Um, it kind of was almost like just kind of like flipping banks on spots that you would think would be like high percentage spots, and that's kind of how I approached that event. Um, then we went into Lake Winnipesaukee, um that was i got a fourth and a second there that was straight on summer fishing it was literally offshore i think that was a second the pro series too but that was um i mean anybody that watches any of the kfl stuff or anything and watches like pasakim man that place just puts out small mouth man i mean there's you, I I literally had an electrical tape my thumbs and my. Finger, <laughs> wow. they, they going, I, st- I still I mean I don't know if you can see I still don't really have a fingerprint left on my finger like it wore it off that bad. Oh my uh, gosh. I, I was catching like we were catching twenty to fifty fish. It was unreal. Oh. This one after oh. one. it was just and those fish for whatever reason I mean Susky fish can be they cooperated a lot. I was at the Susky event that you mentioned earlier. <laughs> they weren't really too feisty um this time around. Uh, but those fish, for whatever reason, they're straight shad eaters up in Winnipesaukee. Our smallmouth <clears> on <throat> the Susquehanna, they're eating crawfish. So they have worn down teeth and and things along those lines. Um, the ones that you get in Winnipesaukee, they don't eat crawfish, apparently. I mean, they have them up there. People say that they do. But I think for the most part, the fish I was targeting literally are like straight shad eaters. And, uh, um, man, it was uh, smelt is actually what they're eating up there. Sorry. Uh, but it's... Uh, it was unreal. And their spines, for whatever reason, were like razor, like razor wire. Like it, one of those, and they were like grenades, they're all excited and they'd be bouncing around the boat. And this <laughs> from like them straight, like the sandpaper, like just wiping my thumbs out. Like, cause I'm telling you, it was way different than normal small mouth and their spines. Like my hands were so bloody and bad. Oh. It. It, was, uh, it was unreal. So if you're fishing up there, wear gloves and put electrical tape on your fingers. <laughs> So that was pretty much my trail. I mean, a couple of those were EKF events that I had. We had Winnipeg, we had the KFL games as well that I fished with the Pennsylvania Bronzebacks. Um, and but for the most part, this year was focused, with exception of the um, Susquehanna event that we just finished, which was this Saturday, which was a pretty good showing. I mean, it was a native uh, big bass power hour. We had, I think, 130 some anglers, something like that. Yeah,
3: like 131 nice. or 32. Yes. Yeah, yeah.
2: and I ended up. <clears throat> that was a kind of a weird format for me um because it was your big fish every hour um, paid out a thousand dollars and then they had like an mlf style where it was like your most inches overall and i ended up getting fifth overall um with submitting the fish but i didn't end up winning an hour so um payouts weren't as good <coughs> excuse me um so but i mean it goes for like it was a cool event right because it's not like some of those guys I, with the leaderboard, I'm like forward against the kind of at the same time, because you'll fish an event. And if you are not really on something you're super confident in and, you start looking at it and see somebody's putting up a huge bag right at the beginning of the day. It's kind of defeating, and you're like, oh, man. And some people even leave early, which I strongly am, like, totally against. Like, I mean, if you're not, if, you're, if you have no chance of winning or don't think you have a chance of winning, you need to still keep fishing and try to figure out how you have to win next time. And that's just a real right. big tip to give to people. Quitting in the day and leaving early just because you don't think you have a chance to win is not going to teach you anything except poor sportsmanship, and, like, you're not going to learn. <laughs> yeah, that's I, I, I am
3: I'm always amazed when I, I see people heading to the ramps early. I'm like, you know you know you paid to be in this event you might as well you know fish it out yeah. and at least learn something but you're right. but you're right and that was the weird thing about uh the of uh, the event yesterday was you know you in that last hour you still had a shot at big bass yep. for that hour so there was no reason to quit you know yeah and i the, yeah that i mean not to cut
2: you I'm sorry but the weirdest thing i had a 195 the first hour right and um they ended up being someone one with like, I think they had that 20 or whatever, the 20, 21, maybe it was caught the first hour. Mm-hmm. Um, so I ended up beating and then someone, I think hour four or five, won with like an 18 something. So uh-huh.
4: <coughs>
2: I had, I had a big fish, but it didn't count because of the hours. So right personally um, to native, I, I think it, I would like the structure a little bit better. I think if they did maybe the, the biggest, just eight fish overall and paid out like hour, like paid out and that as opposed to like hourly, um, not only for like, obviously it would help me out, but um, just in the sense of like, if you do catch a big one, like you have, like you feel confident about it, you know, it's, it's just, I mean, if you catch a 19.5, like that's no, like nothing to the shake a stick. I should feel good about it. It just sucks if someone caught a 19.5, 10 minutes before you. <laughs> so yeah. just- no, I, I,
3: I fished a, um, a, a kayak hangar was a central PA event on the Juniata this year and uh, middle of the, uh, probably nine o'clock. I caught a 21 inch fish. Uh, and I was like, oh, I got big bass for this tournament that nobody catches 21 inch fish in these little tournaments like that. Yeah. And one guy caught 21 and a quarter and beat me for big bass. I was so mad. I was like, God, I finally caught a huge bass in this and uh, I still didn't win big bass, but that's how it goes, I guess.
2: Yep. So, but it was definitely a cool format. I appreciate them for coming out and like throwing it on. Like it was definitely something cool to do in October. I mean, there's not a lot of fall tournaments. Everybody's getting to archery season, which just started in Pennsylvania. And I speak and duck of- hunting.
3: Did you have yeah. a lot of
2: duck hunters? Yeah, Holy yeah, there's, a, there's a lot of duck hunters out there.
3: Feared for my life at at first light, man. I, you know, I started paddling up. Heard shotgun shots. Yeah. turn and paddled the other way. Heard shotgun shots that way. I'm like, ah.
2: Yeah, they were flying all over the place, too, the ducks, and uh, that's crazy. I, I mean, I just – I am not really follow, like, the duck the duck season or anything along those lines too much. I would assume that there was going to be a little bit less action on the river because of the, the archery season starting, but it's a little early for that the buck aren't really in full rut and stuff, and they're just uh, – a lot of guys kind of wait till um, a little bit later in October to get on
3: that. Right. Nice.
4: So I wanted to kind of ask you a little bit, cause something kind of piqued my interest as you were talking about your season so far this year, uh, you were talking about uh, Kissimmee and how you had like that aha moment, you know, mm-hmm. can you uh, elaborate on that?
2: Um, yeah. So, I mean, I was, uh, and I don't want to steer anybody wrong, but um, a lot of guys were doing good, like with, with, with big swim baits and they were doing good with um, like chatter baits and I mean, lipless crankbaits, which I mentioned, isn't like a strong suit of mine, but it does really well down there. Um, but I ended up like again, I'm more of a finesse style fisherman. Um, I don't mind doing it, but I was a little wore out, I'll tell you, after the Susquehanna throwing that chatterbait all day. Like my hands are like, man, this is this is rough for <laughs> the wrist because you know? I was just chucking on Because like, again, I'm for anybody that knows me, I'm super passionate, super about it, and I mean, I don't think I could have made another cast if I tried to. <laughs> um I literally am all day all day just going and going and that's mm-hmm. how you have to be man because any second like matters but when i was down there i was just in and, and, and again this kind of goes back a little bit to me talking about you can learn something from anybody yeah. you know and i was fishing it and uh i was just throwing everything and i was catching a couple fish in in the area i was in and I was just catching them doing different stuff. Like I I actually caught one on a flicker shed and like little crankbaits and I was doing stuff like that. And, um, then my bike kind of shut off a little bit and, um, I had an old guy, he was an older guy just hanging on the boat and he just said, uh, he just came up and he just started like, like blasting him next to me and he was artificial fishing and stuff. And just doing traditional stuff that everybody kind of gets overcomplicated, like thinking like you need all these special colors, special baits, and everything. And I just looked, I'm like, Man, what are you doing? What are you? You're tearing them up. What are what's going on here? What am I not doing? And <clears throat> this was not during the tournament, it was during like practice. Um, I think. Yeah. And then he goes, No, it was it was during the first day of the tournament, actually. And um, he was just an old guy, he just looked at me all nonchalantly, he's like you just better be, you got to be dragging that worm. And he was just like, Like, I started dragging a worm super slow. And they just, I started cracking them. I was doing really good with that. Um, But again, I think that all comes down to is the biggest thing about fishing, right. Is you got to have like, I'm probably at about 10 combinations that I have that I'm super comfortable with and confident with. I've caught fish on and I use them and then I try to use them in the right situations. Right. So I catch fish on a jig and, it's great when i'm in rock and that's how i fish a jig i know guys fish them in grass and things and for me being a northern angler that's what makes me confident and i know like i don't ever throw those giant jigs with the big craw trailers and stuff i know guys down south kill them on those kind of things sometimes (laughs) but for me it's just i don't have any confidence doing that so um i like throwing like little finesse jigs and doing stuff like that but i'm usually like a football jig kind of guy and if it's not rock and i can't make that happen um i don't use that technique not that that doesn't get bit And i think that's where a lot of people get lost is they think like oh this is my good bait but you really got to get used to like where you're fishing that bait and then what they're if they're biting it like what are what's going on there is there like what time of year is it is it like why are they biting it there and then every time i catch a fish like i literally try to run through my mind like why what when where what's going on here let's like what kind of structure is going on and just try to figure that out and like put it in like your data log as to what's going on you know um and then color means a little bit, but I think for the most part it's like presentation, right? You got the top of the water, middle of the water, and then like on the bottom and then like your different structures. And you just got to figure out which baits that you have confidence in, in those particular structures and try to get that down to like a, a confidence thing um, to a, a certain amount of, of tech techniques, I guess you would say in rods. Um, but I don't like to get, I, I did. So I started out, like I said, not knowing anything and, I went from one stream extreme to the other with tackle like i had very like inexpensive rods and like i had very like whatever and then i decided to like i started like getting a little bit more into it and then i went like way off the deep end like buying like super high-end tackle and like thousands of different things watching all this stuff and videos and baits and all these people are pushing their sponsors and different stuff and buying all these different baits and approaches and um all these different like 15 different kinds of square bills like, like it's like completely you don't need to do that you know it's it's really more so about like what square bill do you like then like throw that square bill you know what i mean like and same thing with like a top water find a couple top waters that you like and then just keep a couple of them if anything you'd be more suited in my mind buying a couple of the same top water as opposed to buying five different ones because then you have a backup if you break that one off and you're not confident. Like, Oh, I broke that one off and I only have five other ones that don't look anything like it. And they're not going to fight that. one. <laughs> it just, it gets all spun out and it's just not really necessary. You know, just like I said, I mean, I keep it very simple. I keep a bait on the bottom, one in the middle. And then like, I just keep one on top and, um, like obviously some dragging baits and like a like a reaction style bait, and just try to keep it simple. And the more you kind of simplify and the more you find stuff that you're confident in and fish to your confidence, that's the strongest thing. If you're confident in it, I might say throw a buzz bait with a gold blade, and you're gonna say, Oh no, I like to throw a buzz bait with a silver blade. And there's a good chance we'll probably catch the same amount of fish on it either way. So just throw it when you're confident in. Don't worry about what the other guy's doing because um you go to these tournaments, you're like start watching all this, you like people go to tournaments down south for instance i'm going to kentucky lake if i started watching what all these guys are catching them on down there and like i don't ever throw and like baits that i don't throw i'll go down there and i've done it and i will do terrible i won't catch fish i won't have confidence it won't be anything but if i just go down there and fish like i do up north and fish like my confidence and what i'm comfortable in i will excel and do better and that's just how it goes and it doesn't always work out i mean i i do well in these tournaments all year but i can go down there and do that historically i've actually been like a omen for me i've done um really well the past two years in a row where I was like top 10 in AOI and KBF going into the national championship. I just had a bad event two years in a row. So hoping, hoping three is the magic number and I don't do it again, <laughs> but um, it's just, uh like I said, the, the biggest thing I, the biggest takeaway I learned is just really stick to what you're confident. Not, not saying don't expand into something different, but you don't have to get caught up in having like, like a super fancy anything. You don't have to have like, Th- unlimited amount of money like you really just need to kind of keep it like basic especially in the binning, beginning keep a rod that you were confident in and like i said like three rods you have like a like a finesse rod like something like maybe something to flip and like throw a little jig around in with something like that and, like a top water rod and um if you want to throw in like a react like a chatterbait that you can tie on the spinnerbait on or whatever you know um you literally could go out there 90 percent of the time i go out to these tournaments i only need um i end up using one rod maybe two or three at the maximum it's usually i take a lot with me just so again i have the confidence thing so i can kind of break it down and figure it out and usually that's more so in practice and then by the time i fish the tournament i kind of lock down the thing right because what you're throwing and what's winning the tournament isn't the only thing you can catch fish on you can catch fish in a variety of different stuff um you you're best suited to throw what you're confident in, confident in, and just keep pursuing it from that angle
3: I think it's uh, that's a really good point too because uh, when I first got start got started, I kind of threw as much money as I could, you know, do yep. without getting divorced. We all did. That. That's everybody. And, yep. uh, and um, looking back now, I'm like, I wasted a crap ton of money because I, you know, I I still have to this day tons of stuff hanging on my garage wall that I uh, maybe yep. I'll use someday, but um, yep. you know, odds are be- I'm gonna stick with that the few packs that are in my tackle box that I go with me every time or my, my black pack, you know, or my, I have my, my crate. And um, yeah. I never touch that stuff on the wall And it. So um, I, that's a excellent tip for new beginners. Just, you know, find a couple things, like you said, build your confidence and, and don't feel like just because you saw somebody on YouTube doing a, a you know, flipping a jig, like you said, with a big crawl trailer, um, you know, that that's definitely something you will have to, that you have to do. Cause I, 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 did that. And I, I, I took it out on the Susquehanna and I'm like, I cannot catch a fish to save my life on a jig, you know? And it turns out it was just, I didn't need to be using a huge jig. I, you know, once I downsized and started, like you said, using those finesse jigs, um, I really, you know, had better luck. And um, it was just definitely a, a learning experience. So I think that's definitely a good point uh, for anybody just getting into this is to, to kind of, I know it's hard because you're super excited about this new <laughs> new thing that you found, but um, don't feel like you have to, you know, break the bank and and try everything you see a YouTube video on. So
2: yeah, I, I would I would basically say, man, if you're going out and you're trying to get uh get going, like get yourself. If you had to buy like three rods, which would be a good thing, like you need, like I would go out, I'd get like a like a like a six six is ten to seven foot spinning rod, you know, um, medium or a medium light, something like that um you're gonna be able to throw your senkos goes on it a drop shot on it you can throw a jerk bait on it i've actually had this new epiphany like where now i, I don't throw a jerk bait on a bait caster anymore i've done it for the last three years and i literally switched and i started throwing a jerk bait on a spinning rod so um i can get it a lot deeper and um the bait will go a lot deeper and you see a lot of bait, the guys throw in um deep diving jerk baits and they're throwing them on a bait caster with 12 pound line um, you go down to like an eight to ten pound line on a spinning rod, and you can get a regular one ten mega bass jerk bait as deep as somebody on a bait cast or throwing a one ten plus
0: one. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, and that's something that I kind of switched to. You're not going to worry about a lot of times jerk bait. I'm throwing the wind, like you don't have to worry about like backlashes trying to cast mm-hmm. far into the wind, and um, you can cast the jerk bait a lot further. People argue you can cast a jerk bait a ten, like easily, easily twenty percent further on a spinning rod. And not have to worry about the backlashes.
3: After watching uh, Jeff Little uh, a lot, I mean, he throw he does throw. I mean, it's not that he doesn't throw bait casters, but he does throw a lot of spinning setups. And one of the things that he does throw a lot on spinning setups is jerk baits. And um, after I saw that, I, it kind of made me rethink that whole thing. And and um, I, you know, I I am kind of similar to you. I throw a lot more finesse uh, when I go out. I usually have maybe you know four spinning rods and two bait casters with mm-hmm. me like on tournament days. And, and I talk a lot of the people that I talk to that they, they're like, Oh, if I have one spinning rod, that's a lot, you know? And, yeah. uh, but I, there's so many Don't things that, those
2: people. Yeah, yeah
3: exactly. <laughs> uh, like there's so many things that I feel like I can do better with a spinning rod. Uh, um, sure. so, uh, it, that was definitely another, another eye opening thing for me is to kind of get past that, you know, I mean, you watch
2: major league fishing right now or like any kind of like big, like even bass master, like a lot of money is going on a spinning rod. um, And it's just like, there's no question about it. But what I was saying is like the three rod, right? So that seven, six, 10 to seven foot medium, medium light spinning rod, um, you'll be able to throw like the wacky rig on it, a jerk bait on it, a Ned rig on it. Um, You could literally like, I, I, what else do I throw? Like if you want to throw like a little popper, you can throw like a little popper Mm -hmm. on it. Um, I mean, it's just such a versatile rod that you could literally catch so many different fish on. So that'd be like my first rod that I would say. Right. And then the second rod that I'd be bringing would be just like a medium heavy bait caster, um, which that literally will cover you like a medium heavy fast. um, We'll give you you can throw like all your like little flipping baits. You can throw like a dragon, like a dragon worm. You can literally throw a jig, um, a chatter bait, a spinner bait, um, a buzz bait like you can throw all of that stuff which are all like great just down to like or then you look at these baits of like 10 years ago like every single like there's like this new greatest best thing which sometimes is the case but those baits that were like hammered and winning circuits before all the fancy stuff out are still catching fish and winning circuits right now so um that would be rod number two and then rod number three if you wanted to be bare minimum without getting anything else would be basically um I'd bring like a moderate action bait caster um, which would be like a moderate action, seven foot, something like that, and that would cover like your spooks. Um, crank going bait. to get your crank baits, you know, like your lipless crank baits, square bill crank baits, everything like that. And those three rods would kind of give anybody getting ready to start um, the ability to do anything they want. Um, those DC reels Shimano makes are really good for learners that don't know how to throw a baitcaster, um, and anybody that is throwing a baitcaster, lock that thing down all the way. Your spool make it so like you tighten up the little tensioner spool on the side so the bait doesn't even fall, it just barely falls, and then turn your brakes up. Um if you have the the side piece that you can take off, I usually would recommend like if you're just starting, maybe leave three brakes on. I usually still fish with two. Um and um just keep it tight, right? Cause then you can cast and you'll get the ability to the feel down better for doing it. And then eventually now I've gotten to the point where I actually don't like the DC reels anymore. Like I use I, I have more freedom with some of the other stuff. But as I was mentioning to you before we went live, I just blew one up not paying attention the other day. <laughs> my, and, I, and I still do that. My finger slipped as I was casting behind me, and the bait wasn't up, and my finger came off, and I cast it, and the bait was in the water behind me before it got up, you know, oh. pull off the spool. So it just, it just turned ugly. Um, so, but those three rods really. Um cover it up. And then a lot of it is really just you can even double up those same rods, right? Because now that same crankbait rod, if you just double it up, you have now a crankbait and you can have a top water like a spook on. So then you got two good reels there. One I'd probably end up putting braid on, maybe if I wanted to, or um, and then leave leave the other one alone. And then same thing with medium heavy, then you can have like a dragon, like a Texas rig style bait or flipping bait, and then you could have a um Like i said like you could have like a chatterbait or spinnerbait on the other one um so you quickly build yourself to where you're getting rods that you can adapt to a lot of stuff now i basically have like 11 different rods and probably four of them are well no actually i'm sorry so 11 different rods and i think four of them are the same spinning rod and then i have another three that are the same crankbait rod and then like it's literally so when it comes to technique specific rods the only ones I really that if you wanted to get like weird on it would be like a, like a frog or um i'd have like a 7-3 extra heavy and i literally have 65 pound braid on that and the only thing i throw is a frog on that rod like there's really nothing else i throw with it um you could probably do some punching if you really wanted to do or something with that same rod if you wanted to um and then your other one would be like a big seven-ten, like medium heavy crankbait rod you know but that's if, like Seven, ten, <laughs> that's if
4: you're
2: throwing, like, six, man. That's, that's for throwing, like – like, I'll throw a straight braid on that and throw whopper ploppers, like, big 130s on that rod, um, and then deep diving crankbaits, you know, stuff like that. Like, I'm talking, like, six XDs or even a little smaller. Like I'm talking, like, 10, eight XDs, 10 XDs, like, the real big stuff, which – that honestly, if you're listening to that, don't even get into it because it's like comes out and plays so little that it's really probably not something worth to even start. You know what I mean? So um it's it's one of those things where you can you're much better suited to buy an extra medium heavy rod so you can kind of keep more 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 uh medium heavy fast seven like i was saying because then you have more applications but you don't need a ridiculous amount of rods if anything those three will get you through 99 percent of the tournaments fish i can't tell you that i've won one tournament where i needed a different rod than one of those three um that i mentioned at the beginning and like i said duplicating them up just gives you the ability because they're all the most most um most of the most of the stuff i throw are those three particular rods so um it just kind of the best suggestion I could
3: give in that, in that field, you know, that's, I think that's a really good suggestion. I mean, that gives you um, just the people getting started is, you know, three rods that they can go out and pretty much cover most of the techniques that, you know, that you're going to need or, or at least one. And then as you, you know, start to, you know, either get a bigger budget or, you know, just increase the number of rods, not necessarily the different types. I mean, cause I think there's definitely something to be said for the, you know, having the same rod, because you're going to know, you're going to get a feel for that rod and, and how it performs. And um, you know, that's why I know a lot of the um, pros stick to very similar uh, setups, you know, and uh, because they, they get so comfortable throwing a certain thing and and they know how it's going to perform and, you know, it, they get almost muscle memory, um, you know, from using it to the point where, they know exactly how it's going to perform and it's not even like a question.
2: Yep. No, no doubt. I mean, that's just, you really got to keep it simple in that aspect because I mean, there's so much, they like, I mean, look, let's face it like bass fishing and it is a good thing is powered um, by like marketing and trying to sell us stuff. And um, there's a lot of stuff out there and there's so many different rods and so many different, <laughs> and so many different things that it makes it so confusing. But um, I mean, just a couple things just to simplify that is, You got, like I said, um, moderate action rods, which has a lot more bend in the tip, so it's forgiving. So anything that's a moderate action, which is like that seven-foot rod, which was the third one I mentioned, um, you want that for anything with treble hooks because it's going to load up a lot better. The fish kind of hook themselves in it. You just lean into that, and then it helps them as they're jumping and flopping out of the water and frailing around. It helps them stay pinned with those treble hooks, where if you throw it on like a fast action, like a heavier rod, that you throw like the chatter bait on or the jerk bait on, I'm sorry, the chatter bait, sorry about that. So chatter bait or the spinner bait on, um, a lot of times when those fish thrash, you'll rip the hooks out of their mouth. So that's the difference between like the matter moderate and the fast action. And, um, so basically to keep it simple, it's just your fast action is anything with like a big gaff, single hook. Right. And then the moderate action would be anything that you have treble hooks on.
3: No, that, that, that breaks it down about as simple as it can get. So I think that's great. Um, I know, uh, before the show, we were talking a little bit, um, you said you're basically known for the drop shot. Um, and I, I think you said probably 70% of your fish come from drop shot. I know. Sure.
2: Yeah. I, I a drop shot, I would say, and just the spinning rod in general, you know, okay. I mean, don't get me wrong. I have, I can't think of a couple that I've, I've utilized the bait caster for. And again, that's why I said each one has its own specialty, but, um, the finesse has been more of my application. So not that those other things don't serve a purpose. Like the chatterbait obviously is a huge tournament winner, right? So that's not going to be something that you want to throw on a spinning rod. But the rods that I throw the most is um, it's, a, it's an expensive rod, but it doesn't have to be. It's a it's a it's, a, uh, it's an X pride that I throw a um, G Loomis. I like the G Loomis rods and that's just a comfort thing for me. And I have had some tournament winnings and I'd like to dump it back into that. But um, I've also caught them just as well on a different rod. I, I have I like the basically when you buy the more expensive rod, you're going to get a little bit of a better feel. But if you're throwing like a braid to leader on a spinning rod, you're going to end up having good feel on any rod that you're throwing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the big thing is you're going to get a little bit lighter, a little bit more balanced, and it's just more comfortable to do. And I fish so much that like the light and I cast so much that the lighter, it's just not so fatiguing and it just it's more comfortable for me to utilize. And um, I just really enjoy the rods and I'm a little, bit of a, a little bit of a nut when it comes to my spinning rod just because it's been what is done me so well. So, um, the NRX, uh, is, is what I'm throwing the G is NRX. It's the drop shot rod. Um, it's a six ten medium light. And typically, um, when I start, I was throwing like the 15, 20 pound braid to, um, like a 10 pound fluorocarbon lever is what I typically have tied up on that. Um, now if I'm tying that particular rod up with a jerk bait, because um, again, as I mentioned, that's the first rod I mentioned. Um, that rod, would down like a jerkbait, I'll still run with the braid um, just because it's expensive to Because comp- the one thing you guys will run into is re spooling. You're like, oh, well, now I need this line, I need that line, I need this line. So, um, little tip there is just put like yourself a braid on there, like a 15 pound braid or something along those lines. As a backer. Mm-hmm. I, as a backer. And I, I switched to 10 now, I use a 10 pound braid. I'm back and forth. I like it, but I also like the 15 pound. Um, so 15 pounds gives you a little bit more of a buffer if you want to go up to like a 12 pound, or if you wanted to go to something a little bit heavier to throw like a Ned rig or something like that. So I would recommend probably go with a, on that rod, I'd say like a 15 pound braid and, um, leave yourself a little bit of room. I mean, don't leave it real deep um so where if you want to throw a jerk bait you can just take 10 pounds of fluorocarbon or 8 pounds of fluorocarbon or pounds of fluorocarbon and just tie on like like a cast length you know like like 60 yards or 50 yards or whatever you want to cast like just so you have a little bit of room there um so you're not not coming through the guides and then you can fish that and then as that line gets warped and bended up and like gets a little rough you can just go back to the braid cut it off and then tie on a new leader and you can re-rig your rod a hundred times for the content and what you would be doing once, you know, because line gets expensive. I mean, fluorocarbon is not cheap, you know, so. um, I started doing that
4: two years ago and it was probably one of the best decisions. The only thing, the only issue I have with that is, I don't know if it's just my knots that I use or whatever, but sometimes where the two lines connect, it'll Kind of click through. That's a new
2: guide, yeah. I yeah. I can't even think what the, I I used to do the double uni knot, and that one does get caught in the guide a little bit. Um, I switched to the um, I can't think of the name of it. Really, to be Alberto. No. That's what I use is the
4: Alberto.
2: It's the I could tie it in front of you in like two seconds. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? It's just like
4: it's this knot, whatever this is. You do the thing. Yeah, the thing. but it, it it is
2: like a really um really small thin knot um. I'd have to think about it and get back with you guys, but
3: um, well, if it's, it's easy to tie, I'd be interested in learning it because i I tried the Alberto and I just can't tie it consistently, so I went back to the double uni, but uh, yeah,
2: no, it's not it's not the easiest. basically, like I'll leave my spinning rod down and then I wrap the braid around my finger and then I'll take the fluorocarbon I cross over back and forth like seventeen times. And then you have to tie the one knot around and then you pull it and then you tie it around again with like an overhead knot and pull it and then you like clinch it. It's like a clinch knot kind of. And that's how it's tying the knot. And then you cut off the fluorocarbon real close and you tie the, do another overhead knot on the braid and cut it off. And that gives you like a really long, there's a bunch of wraps around your fluorocarbon. So basically the braids wrap around the fluorocarbon and it clenches down on the, um, on the fluorocarbon and that's how the knot's held. So it's not actually tying a knot in the line at all so it's actually supposedly has the strongest break strength of any knot but it also does take a little bit more time to tie than a regular knot um like my buddy nick i mentioned he he does not like it just because he says it takes me too much time to tie them but i just have confidence in it now i like it and it's just been what works for me and again if i can think of it if it comes to me while i'm talking i'll i'll let you know
3: okay Um, but
2: so that's the thing right so we're talking that 610 medium medium light uh spinning rod um the reel on the spinning rod i don't get hung up with too much the biggest thing you want there um i don't like a cheap reel um if you're going to spend more money i would strongly advise spending it in the normally everybody says the rod but in the reel on the spinning rod just because you need something with a good drag system um because on a bait caster drag wow. isn't really as big of a thing right like like I personally think drag just kind of sucks on a baitcaster. Like most of the time on <laughs> a baitcaster, yep. I'm letting the rod do all the damage, and I'm just trying to like get the fish in the boat and flip them in the boat or do whatever. But like I hate playing with fish next to the boat on the baitcaster. On a spinning rod, it's a different story. Like smallmouth, you're using small little hooks, and you have to have the drag set right, especially if you're using like six pound, eight pound, ten pound test. Like, and you got to make sure that the fish can you can keep that bow in the rod and get the fish back to the boat because the biggest thing on the spinning rod is having your drag so you can just hear that click 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 click, click, click. as you're going like you want to be able to feel that fish going away from it and like if you pull on them like you can pull and then as you keep that bow it you'll you'll feel some of your drag peeling out and sometimes if you're using like a clunky spinning rod reel um you're gonna like have a tight drag where it like lets out like bursts of a little bit mm-hmm. of the time you mm-hmm. you'll end up breaking those fish off for sure especially when you're talking smallmouth, which is what i fish mostly and where like most of my winnings have come from um you need something with a good drag so um that's where i do my research if more than anything again you go with anything six ten to six, seven foot medium medium light you're going to be completely fine but you're going to want something with a good drag system so that's where i would give my best advice on um is there, uh,
3: anything in particular you you stand by or you prefer
2: um, I mean, I have, I, I do like, um, I'm a Shimano guy, so I have pretty much all Shimano reels. I don't think I <clears throat> throw really anything. I mean, I might have one older Abu, Abu Reel that I still throw, but pretty much all the reels I throw are Shimano's. Um, I mean, for the spinning reel, I mean, there's a, the Vanford is a, is a great reel. It's a little bit um, pricier than the, the standard. I think they're like probably like $200 range, something like that um but it is a great reel and they work well um and then i mean obviously it goes up from there they get crazy i know some people said that lose makes it some good ones but um i just would like again if you buy something at the 200 hundred dollar price point you'll probably be in the right area there to get something that's gonna have a decent drag system on it yeah.
3: no and i i think you know another thing that took me a little bit to learn was you know and it was a hard pill to swallow at first was that if you you buy quality, you won't re, have to rebuy. Whereas when I first got started, I would buy like the cheap, you know, 30, 40 dollars spinning reel, or and yep. they would burn out; they like they would just break, you know, mm-hmm. and wouldn't last more than a season. And you know, then I started buying a little bit nicer stuff, and it really does hold up a lot better you know it's, yeah. it's the big of, thing with
2: that though is right like expensive stuff i mean we're kayak fishermen people lose stuff it falls out of the boat it gets snagged in a tree you lose it i mean
3: so it is tough
2: to do but i mean it is right like you do it so i mean if you're in like that 200 range i mean you're probably doing okay and you're going to be able to sustain i mean if you have the budget and you're not worried about it i would tell you like okay i mean go top of the line then like you know what i mean because you do get like the best of the best when you spend the money for it but um is it necessary to have that to win tournaments no um it's just a comfort thing you know i mean what i would say is it is necessary to have something that is middle of the field to the upper end of the field especially more so than the bait casters if you're going to spend a lot of money on a combo make it your spinning combo that's going to be the one that's going to do the best by you and that's the one where the drag actually matters which i can't emphasize enough on the spinning reel um the baitcaster most of the time you're tightening it down and just pulling it to the boat anyway so <laughs> much, um you just want to get something you can cast without backlashing. um but the, the the spinning rod and reel i mean it's just your bread and butter right like the senko is a player 50 60 percent of the time everywhere you go so like that's what you're going to be throwing it on most of the time on a wacky rig i know guys that throw it on a baitcaster i'm not about that life But um, unless it's it's a a, a Texas rig, Senko, you know, something like that, then I'll throw it in the baitcaster. Um, I don't really throw any Texas rigs on a on a spinning rod or reel. You know, it's mostly I'm pretty the only thing I really throw. I mean, and again, I've just eliminated a lot of stuff. I mean, you can, if you want to get up north and like smallmouth country and like, it's real cold, like you could throw a, a finesse hair jig on a spinning rod, you know, um, a drop shot, obviously the biggest thing that I buy model my rod around. Um, and then the Ned rig and a, and a wacky rig, you know, they're like the go-to and that's just all going to, and a jerk bait. So they're, yep. they're like some of the biggest winning lures that you're going to have with the exception of maybe the hair jig, um, which is just a random thing for certain times of the year at certain places. But, um, I mean, you talk a drop shot a tanko and a jerkbait I mean there's always tournaments being won with them all over the country it doesn't matter where you're at so um in a Ned rig same thing you know um so they're just in the Ned rig also people you have the the um what you mentioned is it's not just the Ned rig that people think um you tie on uh like the quarter you can even go up to like a three eight cents I'll, I'll throw um Ned rig head and I'll rig it with like little swim baits and drag them on the bottom or I'll throw like a little fluke style on that same net head and I'll like I'll roll like a Mickey rig through the middle of the water column, you know? So, um, if they're chasing shad and it's like fall or spring stuff like that. So it's just, um, that's where I would definitely, definitely be looking for is that that's been a
3: No, I think that's, that's really good too. And you had mentioned earlier too, that you like to have, um, uh, basically, uh, coverage for all three parts of the water column, you know, the bottom, the middle and the top. You want to break that down a little bit?
2: Sure. Yeah. So typically, I mean, and again, this is the the biggest thing where they say time on the water is huge. It really is because you can take the information I'm giving you right here, which I'll I'll break down a little bit and, sometimes it won't be the right stuff you know so it depends we got to look at, is it the fall is it the spring is it the winter is it smallmouth is a large mouth is it a reservoir is it like a highland reservoir is it like a river or is it going to be like a grass lake like all that stuff drastically changes these things but speaking to like a highland reservoir or like a small mouth lake um up north i'm going with the water column like i'll typically have um a ned rig tied on right or a jig right so the two of those things if you're trying to drag in the bottom or accomplishing the same thing one might get a bit better than the other one but you don't need like you can go take that same rod and go back and forth between the two of them um and then you have that's a that's a bottom contact bait so that's something if you run into some rock piles or something like that that you can throw out there and kind of just work it slowly and methodically through the rocks um if you decide you want to be able to do something where okay i want to try and get in the middle of the water column you can throw a jerk bait something along those lines Um, And that's where you're going to be able to get those fish that might be suspended up if they're moving around chasing shad or doing something like that. Um, And then if they're really on fire for the shad or they're like in the morning, typically I see this to be the biggest thing is if they're on like a a a shad bite, they'll come up in like little necks and choke points. um, And they'll be shallower than they're going to be later in the day. Um, And that's when you can throw a topwater lure and pick off those fish. So by being able to go out instead of having which I'd got into in the past and having like three different color chatterbaits tied on, um, that's probably not going to be the deal, you know? <laughs> uh, so some, I mean, for Jody Queen, it is half the time. I just saw <laughs> he, um, not for me and, really if i go out and i'm trying to break down new water and find fish i mean i'm gonna make sure that i run into like a rock pile i'm like okay here's a rock pile i'm gonna throw and drag some lures through it up and not biting it so then i see a wind blown point i'll want to throw like a jerk bait over there and something in the middle or a chatter bait or a, a spinner bait um just to see if i can get one of them to fire up and then if i see some like a lot of times like um i'll see the top water bite will come on and then it's just like you'll see something blow up or a ripple and you can throw your top water, which I do find that the top water does get bit okay doing that. But a lot of times, when you do those little blow ups on the top water, I'll throw in like a weightless fluke or a Senko, and that blow up where I'm gonna get bit, you know? Um, so that's what I mean. Like you got a Senko, for instance, let's just name some baits a weightless Senko, a jig, and then a chatterbait. And then you got a top water and you got a Senko. So there's your five rods that you have tied up. And you're able to basically kind of just fish the conditions. And, like, if something happens in the environment there while you're fishing, you have something to respond to Um, And that's kind of the way that I approach it. Now, those particular baits may change, but likely they will still be something for all those water columns. Right now, if you're fishing, like, three feet of water, that just simplifies it even more, like, actually, right? Because you can eliminate like I'm not throwing a drop shot, I'm not throwing a jerk bait, I'm not throwing this. Like so now you only have to focus on how to cover those three waters. So now you going to have a shallow diving crankbait or a lipless and you have a topwater lure, you know, and um, it's maybe a different version of a spinner baiter if you want to try something a little bit different, but you can use way less rods now because you're only fishing in that particular b- volume of water. But when you go to these like Kentucky Lake, we talk about that coming up with the National Championship. They open it up even more. So you're from the Kentucky Dam there, all the way down to where Pickwick spills in. So I mean, that's like a lot of water. You a know? lot of water, <laughs>
3: and a that's lot of like, different types of water, right? I mean, oh yeah, you got mm-hmm. the
2: headwaters filling in and heavy current down south. You got all kinds of creeks and tributaries, and there's just all kinds of different stuff. So, I mean, that's a lot of water to cover with a bass boat that you couldn't cover in a couple weeks. You know, right? Um, so, um, you, that's where you just gotta try to go through the way I break down tournaments, and I'll go on these lakes is you want to look and say okay so we have this body of water it's gunnersville for instance or kentucky lake and it's this massive lake um like don't try to look at it like i need to fish the north the south the mid this that the other thing like try to pick a part of the lake that looks good and like go there and fish like that's your tournament lake. just like a one little section of the lake and just try to pick around and break around that particular area and see how you're doing if not maybe pick another one of those and move to it and as opposed to listening to, like, trying to find spots on the Internet and find this and find that, um, my map studies turn to basically I just look at the map, look at what the water is. I use Navionics chart, Viewer, Google Earth, and those are the things I'll look at. And I literally just try to see stuff like, OK, it's the fall. I think they're going to be chasing bait. They're probably going to be pushing back into the creek pocket. So I'm going to go into, like, the creek pocket mouths and try to find something. That's where I'll start and I'll work my way out to in on those high likelihood areas, and I'll maybe pick three or four of them and then go around and do it. And then usually I'll leave one day to like go out in the middle just to see if I can make something happen on the ledges or something out deep. But the most part is just kind of try to simplify it for your mind and don't just go out and try to do everything. Because if you try to do everything, you're not going to do it. It's not possible.
4: (laughs) I've totally done that before too. My uh, first experience on uh, Kentucky Lake was actually uh, the 2017 KBF National Championship. Okay, yeah. I was so overwhelmed. I was just like, I don't even know like where to go, where to start, what to throw. Because you know, I had just gotten into kite fishing like a year before. So I was just like, I don't know what I'm doing. And so like day one, I was like throwing everything under the sun. You know, I had like a little five-inch. Uh, Fish finder is a little Lawrence unit and whatnot, you know, and it was cold, uh, chilly. I mean, it was like, you know, low fifties, whatnot. And, uh, you know, my, the sides of both of my uh, Hobie Outback were just covered in lures and everything. And so like, I had to like tell myself, I'm like, okay, you're going to put everything away. You're going to take a deep breath and (laughs) you're just going to look at your fish finder, see what you see, try to understand where the fish are. Look at the things around you. Is there structure? Is there rock? What's around you? And then go from there. And uh, that that did the, the trick for me. And I ended up taking a love of place that year. So, right. cool. I mean, See, beginner's awesome. luck, right? Yeah.
2: <laughs> so. No, that's great. But that's the truth. So, like, you literally, you you literally, it, like, it may seem like a small adjustment, but by doing that, you literally just kind of like got yourself in that position where like Mm -hmm. um and what i tell everybody i mean you're when you're fishing an event and it's like a like 100 or 200 anglers like if you're finishing in like the top like 10 percent like that's a win for sure you know like that's like regardless it doesn't matter um it's a lot like first place is like super like random you know what i mean like even for like when i was many tournaments i fish like it's like they just randomly come when they come like your goal and if you're trying to fish tournaments and make, like do it a lot and do things is like just to finish in that top 10%. If you did that, consider it a win. Like, cause you're it's, there's a lot of good people out there. A lot of people that can fish and a lot of good competition. And I mean, fishing is a percentage of luck. I mean, what, what is, The difference of becoming good and successful, in my opinion, is if you're finishing in the top 15, top 10, top 15 percent consistently and you're getting that consistently good finish, like you're doing the right thing and then a win will randomly come to you. It's just a matter of making it your time, you know, but um, the consistency is what you're really looking for. So. Um, I don't go out looking for like the special, like oh, I'm gonna, I need this. Ho-. Like I just go out looking, where can I can do I, do I feel confident catching 85 inches here? You know, like do, do I think I can catch 85 inches here? And if so, then I'll go fish that stuff. And that's what I do. And I just try to make it happen. And if I can catch more than that, that's great. And I think Jody Queen actually is the one that mentioned that that I heard and I stuck with me. Um, but that's really what I I do is I just try to keep up with just making sure that I'm in a spot that I feel confident that I can catch numbers in um and then i just try to stick with that to where it turns out to be a lot of times if you're catching fish obviously then you'll end up catching some better ones eventually and it's just a really a a good place to start you know it's just trying to break down one section and not overwhelm yourself and like i said don't if you're if you're thinking about the next spot while you're trying to fish your current spot not even looking at what you're fishing it is blind casting around at stuff like you're not learning anything right like you can roll up and down the bank and then just say, oh, this sucks, and roll up the other bank and say, this sucks. Well, if you didn't really think about it, like, okay, well, they're just maybe not on the banks. You know what I mean? Like, they just, just you know, like rock piles Did you go to try and, like, find some offshore shoals, and that's where you kind of want to look
3: and see what's going on there. Well, we lost Susie there. I'm not sure what happened to her, but she should probably be back in. Yep, there she is. Well, hey, Susie, welcome back. Oops. I don't know what happened there.
4: I don't know what happened either. Sorry about
3: that. <laughs> all good, all good um all right well um we we just hit our hour mark so um we definitely covered a lot of good stuff there any um last uh tips you would think like if you were introducing someone to uh the sport what uh any any final kind of uh advice or anything you would give them
2: yeah fun, have fun number one you know what i mean like enjoy yourself on the water like don't do it to make money. Cause look, it's not going to happen. Like you can maybe win a tournament here or there, but you're probably not going to ever be profitable fishing in a kayak. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, there's very few people, I mean, that win a lot of tournaments. I don't know they your back
3: them. wall is uh, proving you, yeah. uh-
2: <laughs> you. I mean, even that though, you still break even you, you, or you, you maybe make a couple thousand dollars extra a year, you know, like on a good year. Um, but don't, Don't try to get caught up in, like, the money thing about it. Like, I've chased trophies and checks. I tell everybody, like, I don't really care about what the money actually is just because I, like, try to do well. And I just enjoy the competition and being out there. But the biggest tips I can give you is, one, go out, have a good time, get yourself, like, three rods and get some techniques that you're really confident in, fish those um spend some time on the water you know like research of maps is is important do it on like google earth and stuff like that ahead of a tournament to get yourself a plan um don't get caught up in the plan like like susie mentioned earlier like just pay attention to your graph electronics (laughs) try to find something a little bit on like look okay i'm fishing rock okay i'm fishing cracks just be aware of the moment of where you're at Mm -hmm. and you're fishing and don't don't get yourself spun out and uh just remember you're there trying to have a good time and have fun and and worst case scenario, you know what I mean? If you're, if you're not winning, you're learning, you know, that was a John Cruz statement, I think so. Um, but that's uh, the best thing I can tell everybody is just, like I said, go out, have fun, do as much research as you want. It's, it's unlimited. as much time as you want to put into like watching pod, listen to podcasts and watching YouTube videos and doing everything. But um, the biggest learner is going to be yourself getting out in the water and just trying to play around with some comfort, comfort, confidence baits and, um get those things together say okay this is my bottom bait that i feel confident this is my midwater bait i feel confident in my jerk bait i feel confident in and get that in like a couple different colors you know like a dark a light and like maybe like a matte color and um just have one of each of those for like a jerk bait that's chatter bait or a spinner bait you don't even really need both of them just one of them you know and then um like a, a a senko obviously and then like a drop shot if you're fishing around like like some stuff like you can like throw a little robo worm or a like a flat worm or something like that you know and just keep it simple go out pay attention to what you're doing just have fun and enjoy yourselves you know
3: cool awesome. i think that's good advice so uh well ryan again i wanted to give you a chance to shout out um one, where folks can find you on social media or any place else that uh, you know you want to throw out there. We'll make sure we include it in the show notes too for anybody who uh, uh, might be listening and doesn't have time to write it down or anything. Um, we'll put links and everything to the show notes. Um, so uh, where can people find you?
2: Sure. So on Facebook, it's uh, at Ryan Matalevich. And then Instagram is the same thing. I mean, it's not the easiest name in the world, I'm sure. So I apologize for that. Um, but uh, it's just my name, which they can spell it out for you um it's ryan r-y-a-n and the last name is Matylewicz m-a-t-y-l-e-w-i-c-z and if any of you guys have any questions or anybody don't feel like a weird at reaching out like send me a message I, I respond to people all the time and i'm happy to kind of answer and help people out and like i said i do it for fun Um, I run an excavating company. That's like where I make my money, and then uh, I don't. uh, I don't make it fishing. I I do well, but it's it's just I I don't mind how I I I really get more enjoyment out of helping people out than anything else. And um, feel free to reach out to me, and uh, I'd be happy to help you out with any kind of insight, whether you have like a question on trying to select a rod or a reel or any advice, I'd be happy to just try to steer you in the right direction instead of trying to sell you to some sort of sponsor post, you know? (laughs) Uh, So, and then getting to sponsors, I I am on the uh, Old Town Pro team. So um, with Johnson Outdoors. Um, So I want to thank those guys. They do a lot for me. Um, I'm in the autopilot, which not just because it's my boat, I truly believe is a super stable kayak. So if you guys are looking for something that's stable, they're not the fastest kayaks in the world, um, but they are, super, super stable and you'll feel really safe out there. I mean, I go out in three or four footers on big lakes and I'm completely confident. I actually can fish more diligently, like or more like safely than I do, in my opinion on my 21 foot bass boat. So um, I just feel more confident and they are just really good kayaks. And then my other sponsor would be Dakota Lithium, which is what powers mine. I run the one, I run two 135 amp hour batteries on my kayak. Um, I have a lot of electronics and I also have um, a lot of, water that i cover so i mean <laughs> people say oh you know i run on 10 pretty much all the time i'm running and gun and kind of looking for different <laughs> stuff Battery chasing right so you find a spot here then you move to the next one and there's a lot of water you got to cover so um you burn up a lot of battery running on 10 like like i do i mean i cover 10 miles of tournament so um oh, yeah. so does a great job keeping you running um stormy's great to work with and um, Something that's big that I always tell people is support who supports you, you know, like and uh, Dakota Lithium does more for the kayak industry um, as far as from a lithium battery standpoint than anybody else out there. Um, so give back to those guys. They do a lot to try to give giveaways. I mean, you can think about how many tournaments you're at where they've raffled off or gave away a, a Dakota Lithium battery. And um, that means a lot. And so give back and support the guys that are kind of giving
3: to your support, you know. Definitely, definitely. Um, After all this, hearing you talk about the different waters that you fished, uh, knowing you, uh, you know, live pretty close to the Susquehanna, would you say uh, you're more of a river, like if you could choose where you're going to fish, would it be the river or would it be somewhere else? No, Lake Ontario
2: is my place. That's okay. where I like that. Okay.
3: Yeah. Well, uh, you said you like uh, drop shots so and, and smallmouth. So <laughs> yeah. that kind of sounds like, uh, you know. You can catch them. You, like.
2: you, well, you wanted to originally talk about swim baits. You can catch them on big swim baits right now in Ontario. They're like, they're, oh. They they're they kind of switch off the off the drop shot thing in the fall, and they stop chasing the the goby as much, and they start, like, chasing a lot of perch. And, I mean, I've literally caught, like, six-pound smallmouth up there oh. that have spit up, like – like full on, like nine, 10 inch perch. Like, literally, literally come out wow. of in.
0: Oh
2: like, my God. Oh. They have that in their mouth and they're still eating like like other baits, you know? Though you can catch them on big, <laughs> big, big, big swim baits. So you can catch them on little like Kitex, like I mentioned, on a spinning rod up there with just like a little Ned Rig dragging like a Tech on the bottom. And um, it's just an awesome place to fish. It's If you guys haven't been up there, it's a spectacular fishery to check out. So
3: that's nice. a bucket list
2: for me for sure. Mm-hmm. So. Definitely. That's a place to go for personal best for sure. I will tell you that. <laughs>
4: I got mine at St. Clair, man. That Oh my God, that smelly was stupid. It was like taller fat wise than <laughs> yeah. my hand. It was yeah.
2: insane. <laughs> it, it makes it tough. It makes it tough when you go up there and fish because I mean, it was, I think it was my first time up there on a boat with my buddy. Um, we just went up there and ran around and um, I think we had, it was like 28 five or something was our best five fish. Um on smallmouth, you know, and that was that was actually during the Toyota series last wow. year was going on up there, and um I was like, Man, I guess I should have been a <laughs> It's just you literally can't go up there. I mean, I've been up there maybe like in the past two years, like six times, and I think like we've gotten a six pound plus smallmouth every time we've gone up there. So.
3: Holy cow! That's awesome.
2: That's awesome.
3: All right, man. Well, thanks again so much for coming on. Uh, appreciate you taking the time. Definitely good information for people uh you know, breaking down how to get started and kind of you know, a, a good place to start with the three rods and uh that kind of thing. So uh, appreciate that. And um, definitely uh if you're ever down to talk about either drop shotting or swim baiting, uh um, or I I'm still I need to find someone if you know of anybody, I want to talk to somebody about fishing in grass because um, that's one thing I, I, yesterday I got so frustrated fishing in the grass around me and, um, I know that's where they are. I just don't know how to, uh, what, what best to do to get them out of there. So, um, yeah, for small mouth you're saying, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, there, there's, there's some stuff I'm, I don't know who I would recommend to you probably, I'd have to think about it and I'd get back to in who I'd say was a good grass fisherman. I'm not a strong, strong grass fisherman. Um, I don't really excel at those Southern lakes, especially at the grass fisheries. As far as the river, I could probably help you out a little bit. Um, but as far as like going to like Southern, like real, real grass fishery, when you're talking about that, like Florida, all that kind of stuff, I still get, I still get, I struggle on that a lot. I mean, when stuff all looks the same and there's thousands and thousands and thousands of acres of it. Um, that's, I would definitely not say my strong suit by any means. Um, gotcha. You probably got to talk to a Southern guy for that.
3: Okay. <laughs> All right, man. Well, again, thanks so much. Susie, do you have anything else?
4: Um, not that I can really think of. Uh, keep on rocking it, man. You're, yeah. you're doing awesome. Dude.
3: <laughs> I don't know how many walls do you have like in that room? Like, are you going to have to, you know, expand? <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty big. I don't know. I
2: guess maybe maybe we'll start like I don't know, like trying to. We just gotta get some more first place finishes. I got a couple of them, but I need to get I need to get some more of those. You know, but top tens, like I said, are, they're 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 still winning. It's just a matter of um those those first place finishes. It's just they're they're they just they're magical when they happen. It's literally like I don't know. It's like a unicorn, I guess.
4: <laughs>
3: well, you got some ceiling space there, so you know we're seeing Yeah, I guess you can <laughs> <have>. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah.
2: Do You have anything or you ever want anything or need anything or if, like, again, anybody needs anything, like as far as questions or just advice or anything, if I can help you, i gladly glad they will. I won't give you any like feed you lines of stuff that I don't know anything about. I'll tell you to look elsewhere, but if it's something I can help you with or something I can give you advice on, I'd be happy to help.
3: Awesome. awesome. Ramo. Yeah. Thanks again so much for coming on. Um, uh, we'll wrap this up guys. Thanks again for listening. This has been another episode of Bass Fishing for Noobs where we bring you the trip. The, I screwed it up.
4: Techniques that tips the tricks to help you rip more lips.
3: There you go. Oh, there you go. Uh, all right, guys. Well, thanks for tuning in and uh, we'll catch you later.
0: Peace. Thanks for tuning in to another killer episode here on Paddle and Finn. Be sure to drop a five-star rating, a thumbs up or smash that subscribe button on any platform you're listening in on. Be sure to check us out on Waypoint TV, waypointtv.com. Make sure you sign up for the Fantasy Kayak Fishing League at paddleandfin.com forward slash fantasy. You could support this show through Patreon, patreon.com forward slash paddleandfin.